Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. What's up, everybody? Good morning, Harvest Church. We are in the building. We are live. It is Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. How you guys doing? I'll give you guys one more shot at that, okay? Is that cool? All right. How we doing this month, this morning? Yeah, that's the church that I love. What's up, y'all? How you guys doing up here in the front? Everybody doing all right? Okay, all right. All right, cool. Those are the peeps. Those are the real ones, the MVPs. Hey, super excited to be here with you guys this morning. Pastor Perry already gave such a gracious introduction. Pastor Nelson Vega Jr. here at your service. Uh, super glad to be here with you all. And um, hey, you know what? Before I want to start, before I say anything else, can we just give it up for God one time? Jesus, one time. Jesus, you're worthy. God, I worship you. I praise you. There is no one like you. God, we give it all to you this morning. We exalt you. We're here to meet with you, to hear from you. It is all about you. The reason I started out that way is because there's a lot of times when I'm watching sports and different things that I get really passionate and excited about that. And if I can't get equally as passionate, if not more for Jesus, there's a problem. Some of y'all got that, but you'll get it. Anyways, um, so I'm just going to go ahead and start off, and I'm just going to kick it off right now. I need to get this out of the way um, just because I should. And uh, congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals for making it to the Super Bowl. If that's your team, go ahead and make some noise. <laughs> Let's make some noise if you're here for the Niners. said no one ever. Just kidding. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> Look, man, I, I got nothing against the L.A. Rams, except for the fact that they're from L.A., man. That's the only thing. Look, if you know me, you know that I grew up as a kid, a Sacramento Kings fan, like a diehard. I actually saw when the Kings were good, back when they actually had a team, when they were actually relevant and, like, in contention. And uh, that, that I, I'm working on it, y'all. Like, pray for me. Help me. I, I'm still praying that God would help me to forgive, you know, the league and all this kind of stuff. I just don't like L.A. I feel like, they, I just feel like L.A. is so entitled. Like, because they're from Hollywood, they feel like they're God's gift to earth. And they're like, yeah, we're the superstars, bro. Like, we're the Rams. We're bad. You know what? Congrats, bro. For the Rams fans, you know what? I'm happy for y'all. Odds are this is probably the last Super Bowl y'all be in because all these dudes are old on your team anyway. It's good. Take it. I just, if they were in St. Louis, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, you know what, bro? It's good. You know what? Happy for you. Like, it's okay. Like, if you've been a Rams fan from when they were in L.A., then when they went to St. Louis and they came back to L.A., like, I'm rooting for you. Like, good for you. You know, you, you stick with your team, you know? But let's make some noise for the Bengals. You know, that's who I'm hoping, you know, is going to be able to take it. I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. No one? Okay, all right, that's fine. <laughs> but getting that out of the way, the Rams and the Bengals, they did it, okay? Congratulations to you. You're in the Super Bowl. Now, one of the reasons why I love the Super Bowl um, is because the Super Bowl is one of those special events that has the ability to bring people together. As you can see all around us, everywhere you look, we see different teams represented. I think I saw an Eagles jersey in here, a couple Seahawks fans. I see you guys. Hey, represent your team. A couple Raiders, Dallas for my brother back there. One Cowboys. Cowboys, all right, there you go. Yep, go for it. Hey, it's all right. Newsflash, it ain't America's team. Just saying, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I don't care if the... 
Dallas, Dallas Cowboys are in there. I ain't watching them. No, no offense. <laughs> but you see colors, mascots, but literally everyone forgets about everything for a little while and just focuses on the game together. And in the same way, I believe that this can serve as an illustration for what the church should look like. See, we all come from different backgrounds, stories, cultures, ethnicities, yet we're all here for one major reason, Jesus. Flat out. No question, no compromise, it's Jesus. Now, another reason why I like this Super Bowl specifically is because we have two very different teams going head-to-head to etch their name in history. We have the L.A. Rams, who this is your team of veterans. Okay, these are the, the proven players, the established professionals, who they're chasing a ring. A lot of these guys, they don't know if they're going to be on the same team next year, but a lot of them are bought in for this one year, and it worked. They're in the Super Bowl. Then you have the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals, they're, they're the young bloods. They're the rookies. You know, they're the ones who've made history for having, a, for having a, a winning streak and for having the opportunity to make a greater name for themselves. They're very different. One team was built through the draft. One team was built through free agency and trade. Now, for all of my, for all of my people that are like, you're using too many sports words. That's too much. I got you. I'm going to define it, put it in layman's terms so we can all be on the same page. And everybody said? Thank you. You guys are with me. (laughs) Now, before I dive into this, I want to explain something. We serve a mighty God, a powerful God who I believe can use literally anything and anyone to speak to us. God isn't this distant God to me who is up in heaven waiting for our petitions to come through on a scroll with an angel. That's not God. He's here. He's with all of us, and he is unlimited in everything that he can do. If you look at creation, he can speak to you. If you look in the Bible and you read it, you'll see that he will even use the mouth of a donkey to speak to his people. That actually happened. I'm letting you know. So in my case, he used football. And that's why I've entitled the Super Bowl Sunday message today, The God of the Gridiron. The God of the Gridiron. Okay? Now, you guys are sticking with me. Some of you guys are looking like, where is he going with this? Trust me. I got you. Okay? Trust me. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now in Jesus' name, and I just want to thank you for another day of life that you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to be here in your presence, to be able to learn about your word, uh, to be able to celebrate with our friends and our family, to be here together to celebrate you, the God of everything, the God who made everything possible, the one who sustains us in our everyday life, even the things that we take for granted. God, it is all about you. I pray that this would be your words, not mine, that it would be what you want it to be and nothing else. And I pray that it would plant a seed in our hearts to encourage us, challenge us, and push us forward in this year. In the name of Jesus, everybody said? All right, so before I go further, there are some terms that we need to define so that we can all be on the same page, okay? The term gridiron, when we say the God of the gridiron, gridiron actually refers to the actual football field that is marked by the parallel lines that are on the field. So today, for all of you that don't usually watch football but are obligated to be there because of your significant other, friends, family, loved ones, whatever, um... When you see the big screen, the field, and you see those straight white lines with the big numbers, that's where they got the name from. You know, the 20, the 30, the 40, the 50. He's gone, right? Okay, that that whole thing. That's where that's from, okay? So that's where that comes from. That's where that comes from. And for me, when I say the God of the gridiron, I'm actually referring to the things that God teaches us about himself through football. So let's begin. As I mentioned before, One of the things I can appreciate about the team's playing is how they are so different in how they were built and constructed. One was built through the draft, one was built through free agency and trade. 
Now, whether it's draft or free agency, whatever it is, the goal of the franchise is to build a team that can win and win it all. That's the whole point. So what's the draft? The draft is where teams select players to build their franchise right out of college. These are like the young bucks. It's like a, it's a huge, it's extensive process, right? We have these trainers, these coaches. They look at a player's potential and the upside and the development, and they try to pick players that fit the needs of the team and make them a contender. It's a big, luxurious, lucrative-like event, right? They, they, the college players are dressed to impress. They do a big media show and breakdown, and it's such a cool experience. This is the Bengals. The Bengals are that team. They selected players who they believe brought talent and strengths to the teams and now find themselves in contention for a Super Bowl. But these selections don't happen without a general manager who oversees the player selection. So I got four points for you guys today. I like this, this little illustration that Pastor Perry gave me. He said, oh yeah, four, four points, four downs, four quarters, four points. All right. Pastor Perry, that went over better in the first service, man. I don't know what happened in this one. Just, maybe I just didn't say it right. <laughs> Anyways, what can we take away from this? Well, in this game that we call life, so to speak, first point is that God is the best GM. God is the best GM. And I wanted to give us a little bit of feel of what it feels like to be drafted. So hit me. Come on, media, hit me. Oh, yeah. With the first pick in the 2022 draft, God selects and chooses you. First Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with a great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's scroll down to verse 9. You are a chosen people. You're not like that. You're a chosen people. You are royal priests. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Y'all with me? Yes. See, before you drew your first breath, before you had to decide whether or not you were going to serve God or choose God, God had already called and selected you for his purpose. That means that regardless of your sins... Regardless of the worst day that you might be having as a Christian or not, regardless of your family history, whatever you want to throw out there, God chose you and he called you out of darkness into his light. Do you know what that means? That means that there is no power too great, no sin too great, nothing in heaven or hell that can stop you from attaining his purpose. There's nothing. Regardless of what you think, if you are in God and you choose God, nothing can take away your God-given purpose. What's that purpose? To be on his team. To bring him all honor and glory that is rightfully due to him. Can I tell you that as a worshiper, there is no greater realization to come to than the fact that you were put on this earth to sing praises and give honor and glory to God? It is one of the... I, 
If you haven't been there yet, you'll get there. But it is one of those things where once you come to the realization, like, I was created for worship. I was here to give God what he is due. Even that you can spend your lifetime. You could spend your lifetime singing praises, shouting to God. And it still wouldn't be enough. But even with that, God silences all of heaven to hear your voice. Think about it. God is 24-7 surrounded by a heavenly host of angels singing, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But at the one whisper that you make in the name of Jesus, at the one whisper that you give out to God, he silences all of heaven to hear you. That's how important you are. That's the purpose that exists inside of you. To bring him honor and glory that is due. Amen? Y'all all right? Y'all we good? We good? We good? All right, cool. Now, on the other side, you have free agency. This refers to the period of time or the window of time where proven players in the league who have no ties to their current teams can choose to go to other teams via sign in, via sign and trade. They sign a big contract, you know, the free agent, whatever. This is the Rams, like, through and through. Okay, you got the Bengals, who are the rooks, drafted, young talent, whatever. The Rams, vets, established, experienced, proven in terms of individual position. They're talented throughout every position and have more than enough to win as long as they stick to their strengths. Come on, media, hit me. Ladies, in case you didn't know, when men hear this, everything else gets quiet. This is music to our ears. Thank you. For the Rams, they had a lot of these headlines. It always started off that way, and then for a minute there it was like, the Rams added this player. Oh, so-and-so was released and signed by the Rams. It was like, man, who don't they have on their team right now? They signed everybody. Everybody was like, all right, I want a ring, so where can I go? LA's like, hey, here's a first-round pick. All right, here you go. Cool, LA. They added big-time talent with the intent of making a run at the Super Bowl. And when you look at the caliber of players that the Rams has, it's, it's, you can't help but acknowledge their excellence and where they are. As hard as that is for me to say, again, in case you haven't figured out by now, don't like the Rams. <laughs> but I can respect their talent. I can respect that they're loaded at every position. And as I mentioned for you before, in the same way, once you join God's team, he will want to surround you with a team of people that will help push you towards your goal and your purpose. God's design for Christianity was never meant for you to handle or do this life on your own. It was never meant to be something that you do by yourself. God being GM, he wants to surround you with those people. But let's be real here. Some of us in this room are trying to shoulder and carry everything on our own, and we're crying, and we're asking God, God, please help me bear this. What can I do to get through? And he's like, I'm trying. I'm trying to get you around people that will help you. The reason why you can't bear this load is because you weren't supposed to. Take my burden. It's light. I'm trying. Or maybe you're on the flip side. Maybe you are surrounded by people, but they aren't the people that are pushing you towards God's purpose and plan for your life. Y'all love me still? We good? Cool. How many times have we seen in sports teams in general that have one superstar only go so far because what? One player can't do it by themselves. Michael Jordan has Scottie Pippen. LeBron, he had Kyrie, he had Dwayne Wade, he had Chris Bosh, he had Ray Allen. Let's go down the list. 
Tom Brady had Gronk. You guys with me? <laughs> you need a team that's balanced and ready to do what's needed to win. So we need to ask the question, who are we spending our time with? What kind of people are we surrounding ourselves with? Are the people that we associate with and do life with people that build us up or people that tear us down? We need to evaluate. Proverbs 18.24 says this, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. I love this. I love the fact that it's written like in parentheses when it says there are friends, you know, like it's a title or whatever. But then the next one, see, I think the reason why that happened is because one of these is a title. The second one is an action. There's a friend. You can call yourself a friend, but it destroys each other. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. It's an action. We need to be the latter. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need to be surrounded by people who build us up and push us towards the things of God. And on the flip side, we need to be those people for others. So that begs the question, what kind of friends are we? Are we known as people that edify and build up or people that tear down? Got real quiet. (laughs) How do we talk to others? How do we treat others when no one from the church is around? Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Probably one of my favorite verses, John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How many of us this morning would agree with me and say we need to be these kind of people? Number one, God is the best GM. Number two, God is the strongest trainer strongest trainer once the teams are selected and the rosters are set the real work begins the teams that are in the Super Bowl have been preparing for months in advance for this very moment now I got to give a little interjection here I want to give a shout out to Pastor Gary you guys know Pastor Gary give him make some noise right we love him Pastor Gary man did I say Pastor Perry or Pastor Gary I said Pastor Gary right Pastor Gary that's what I'm talking about Pastor Gary is a really cool man. I will tell you this. He is one of the most disciplined individuals that I have ever met in my life. You'll find out that around this time of year, he starts doing that whole meal prep and I'm getting ready to train. I got to get ready for summer. You know, I got to get buff. I'm not even in shape right now. Muscles ripping through his shirt. It's like, oh, I went from a 32 to a 32 and a half. I'm getting bloated, getting fat. Whatever, dude. I wish I could donate my fat to you. (laughs) He's disciplined. He trains. He emphasizes the importance of, hey, you need a plan. You need to do this. You need to have a plan to attack if you're going to be successful. If I was getting in shape, I'd want to talk to him. I'd want to talk to Kendrick. Where's Kendrick? Is he in here? If he's not here today, it's all right. Y'all know Kendrick Daniels? Hercules? Built like a demigod? Negative 2% body fat. That guy. Got more cut than shredded paper. Like it's crazy. God is the strongest trainer. When a strength and conditioning coach works with the players, their main objective 
is to train and put their bodies in the best position to not only endure four quarters in a game, but the entire length of the season, 17 games. And the ultimate goal is to be able to play in the Super Bowl, to be healthy, to be ready to play. In the same way, I believe God trains us and strengthens us to endure all that comes with this Christian walk. See, I don't know if you know this, but just because you give your life to Christ doesn't give you a free pass out of life. It doesn't make everything all of a sudden easy. As a matter of fact, Scripture promises that we're going to have trials. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's not if you do. It's when you do. It's going to happen. But the following verses give us some hope and some insight. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Somebody say nothing. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of being able to share a word at the men's breakfast, uh, the most attended men's breakfast. It was awesome. And shout out to the men. Yo, you guys are the real ones. I'm not going to lie. I'm so proud of you guys for coming out on a Saturday morning, coming out for $10 steak. But look, if you don't want to be excited about that, be excited about this. Our men's barbecues are so good. We even got the ladies doing one now. Take that. They're sick and tired of a cranberry chicken salad. They don't want grass. They want meat. They're like, how come the men are paying $10 and they're getting tri-tip and I'm getting grass? We did that. Where's my man, Keith? He's back there, Keith Hugo. Love you, man. He makes some of the best frittatas, quiche, that you will ever try in your life. He doesn't like it when I call it quiche. He's like, we don't eat quiche. We're men. We eat frittatas. And I'm like, that's right. Yeah. I made him a company name, Quiches by Case. <laughs> Coming soon. But I love the men's ministry. It's a different ministry. It's something that I'd never expected myself to be a part of. But how many know that God knows what you know better than you do? God knows what you need more than you do. And I had the ability to be able to speak at that man's breakfast. Powerful move of God. God showed up. It was all God. I give him all the honor and glory for sure. I was able to talk about how many times whenever we face trials and hardships, we rarely stop and say, hmm, what is God trying to do? It's usually not our first response. And can I be honest with y'all? I'm going to be open and vulnerable. When I'm running late for work and my truck dies and it's not starting again, My first response isn't, oh, God, you're so good. God, I just love you. I I know my my car's not turning on, but you know what? I'm turning to you now. I don't do that. And for those of you that know me and my truck, we've had a love-hate relationship. When it's working, oh, I'm in love with it. I can do everything. When it ain't working, question my salvation. Being real. Being honest. But see, I love it because the verse says to consider it pure joy. Just consider it. And I'd like to present to us this morning that maybe the reason why we're facing a test or trial right now, maybe the reason why you're struggling isn't because you failed and are being punished or just going through a rough time of life. See, that verse he uses consider strategically. It's like he knew that it wouldn't be our first response to come naturally to be like, you know what, it's pure joy. 
we need to consider that maybe God wants to develop some things in our life that will carry us and sustain us throughout our Christian walk. Some of us in here have been praying for God to do something different in our lives, to open a door for ministry, to get a promotion, to move into the next thing that he has for us. And we're running constantly into opposition, and we're struggling, and we're fighting, and we're asking God, how much longer? And we want to give up, and God is saying, don't quit. You're almost there. You're at fourth and one. You're at fourth and goal. It's literally on the other side. And there are some of you in this room. Some of you in this room are holding on by a thread, and you're like, you know what, God? I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. How about you trust the trainer? He's strengthening you. He's doing something. Consider it. Life happens. Okay. We know that. But some of you are in here holding on by a thread. And I'm here to tell you that the greatest coach of all, the strength and conditioning trainer, he's trying to say, you know what? I'm trying to make you stronger. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 11 to 13. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. In fact, it's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Dig deep. I can't tell you how many times I've broken down on my knees in my room crying to God, saying, God, it's too hard. It's too much. I can't bear it. And right when I want to give up, God sends a response. God opens the door. God does what only he can do. And if you're in here and you're about to give up, don't. There is more in you. There are more who are for you than they are against you. And regardless of what this world says, you have God, so you have everything you need to get through it. Period. Retweet. Just kidding. It might be a test. He might just be working something in you. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God, he's talking to the people of Israel, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. It's a character thing. God's trying to develop a different character inside of us. He's allowing the testing to happen to expose us, to train us. God will never ever tear you down without the intention of building you up to a better version of you. Let the man work. Look at somebody next to you and say, he's still working on me. Come on, don't act like I beat you guys up. Say, he's still working in me. God is the best GM. God is the strongest trainer. Number three, God is the greatest head coach. When we're talking about the Super Bowl, another determining factor as to who will win or lose will be what head coach puts their players in the best position to be successful. On one hand, you have Coach Sean McVay. He's the head coach of the Rams. And he's the one who I think actually has the most pressure on him to win this Super Bowl. Why? Couple reasons. This is his second time in the Super Bowl. He has a, this is probably the most talented roster he has had under his command as head coach. And some of the, some of the veterans that he has on his team have already won a championship. They've already won a Super Bowl. 
So there's really no excuse for him not to be able to execute his game plan. On the other hand, you have Coach Zach Taylor, who's the coach of the Bengals, who for the most part is pretty unknown in the NFL world. How many of you guys even knew who he was before I said his name? <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Told you. He's had previous jobs on the teams, but his newfound success with the Bengals has brought his name to a level that's worthy of noting and respecting. He has the opportunity to make history and make a name for himself by taking a rookie quarterback who's only been in the league less than two years with a rookie wide receiver who just won Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase, who also helped me win my fantasy league. Let's go. Some of you guys are like, he plays fantasy? You got your things, I got mine. to a Super Bowl and winning it all. Not to mention, he's able to, he's able to do that all before hitting the age of 40. That's awesome. Now, both of these coaches had the task of studying the opponent, calling out their best plays, and leading the team to the trophy. Well, in our life, God is the greatest head coach. Jeremiah 29, 11, you guys know the passage. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Harvest our theme this year, a future and a hope. God knows what he's doing. I'm here to remind us all that, that God, we can trust God with it. He has his plans. His plans are better. I'm sorry, but regardless of what your plans are, God's are better. Facts. Psalms 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I especially love this second verse because it points to the reality that God delights in every single detail. That's just like a head coach. All the little details, fine-tuning. If we are in Christ and following God, there is nothing too big or small that God doesn't care about. It's in the details. The job of a coach is not only to place his or her players in the best position to be successful to win, but it's also their job to develop their players to reach their full potential. This means examining every part of that player, every detail, honing in on weaknesses, getting them to a place mentally where they experience success continually. We can trust God. I want you to know that God desires more for you in this life. He desires to show himself more, to move you to higher places, to give you a life of abundance. John 10, 10, read it when you have a chance. But that can only happen when we decide to submit to him and his way of doing things. His way. Not mine. Not yours. His way. And I got to be real for a second. The idea, the concept of submission to God is one that is extremely difficult for many of us to hear and grasp in today's culture. Because we are constantly surrounded by a message that says, forget everybody else. You need a grind for you. You make a plan. You make it happen. You do this. You do that. You do it for your family. And God is saying, no. Right. It's my plan. Right. What I have for you is so much better than what you can have for yourself. Yeah. The legacy that God can leave your family is so much greater and lasts longer than you can. We need to come to that realization. It's not about us. Being a true disciple and following God comes from a place of submitting and understanding that his way is higher than us. I love you. 
I'm not trying to hurt you, I promise. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. That can only happen. He wants to give us that life, but that can only happen if we submit to him and his way of doing things. And how do we know his ways? How do we learn his ways? We study the playbook. Every great coach has a great playbook. San Francisco 49ers, look, I wasn't able to see all the games, but I remember the golden years when they were good. Bill Walsh, West Coast offense. Play style. All these new schemes that coaches are coming out with, these Starbucks coaches that are like 30-something years old, I have a new scheme that works in college. Can I just tell you, they're just biting off the old school stuff that people forgot. There is nothing new under the sun, people. If the old coaches were still alive, they'd be like, that's basic. What took you guys so long? You guys need to catch up. God has his playbook. It's the word of God. Church, if we want to be successful, if we want to have fruitful lives, if we want to overcome obstacles, we got to know the playbook. Somebody say it with me, get in the playbook. Say it louder, say it prouder, get in the playbook. I can't emphasize how important the word of God is, how essential it is to our faith. It's crucial. It's literally one of the only things we can use as an offensive weapon. Look at Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, when he was being tempted and tested in the wilderness, all he used was scripture, the word of God. If Jesus needed scripture to overcome a test, how much more us? I don't know if you guys have noticed, I ain't Jesus. I don't talk like Jesus. I don't look like Jesus. I ain't Jesus. But if Jesus needed scripture during the time of testing, how much more do we need it? Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 through 17. All scripture, including the genealogy and all those names that I can't pronounce. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Somebody say work. Work. We need the word of God. If we say we follow Jesus, if we call ourselves Christians, but we don't believe the word of God is essential, I'm sorry. You're not following a true Christianity. You're not following a true Jesus. Your version of Jesus, uh, uh, our version of Jesus doesn't agree with everything we say. The word of God is essential. Now, allow me to explain this. I'm not saying that we should be legalistic about the Bible and use it as a what can I do, what can I do, how far can I get before I can go to heaven, like what do I need to do? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that as a church, not even the, not even the world, not a, but as a church, we need to get to a place where the word of God shapes our thinking, shapes our decision making, shapes our character, shapes the way that we talk and how we live. It's the word of God. I wasn't planning on saying this in any of the services. God made me say it in the first one, and I feel the same impression right now. I don't know who this is for. 
But the word of God was never meant for us, to, for us to interpret it through the lens of what society and culture says is appropriate and acceptable. There are some things that culture and society has said are okay, and they're saying, oh, the Bible is wrong. No, you're wrong. The Bible was meant to be the lens by which we view everything around us in the world. Parents. I'm asking you, I am begging you, if your child is in the public school system, check on what they are teaching your kids. I'm not a parent yet, but I feel impressed because I work with the young people. The things that they are dealing with are not the same issues that you and I had when we were in the public school system. And yet in the church, we still have people who are like, I don't know if we can talk about that with our kids. Can I be honest with you? They're already talking about it in the worst sense already with their friends and everybody else. The word of God is how we determine what is right and wrong. The scripture literally says it teaches us what is wrong. I'm sorry. Either you're right or I'm wrong or I'm wrong and you're right, but we both can't be right. In Bible college, I learned an expression that said the only way I can tell you if a stick is crooked is if you show me one that's straight. The Bible is a standard. It's a way to gauge where we're at. And as a country, we have abandoned the word of God. And everyone is wondering in the church, everyone is flustered and panicking. Oh my God, all these things happening. Why is it happening? It's been happening already underneath our eyes. It's been happening behind the scenes. What we're seeing now is not a result of something immediate. It's been years in the making. Little things that people are saying, oh, that's not necessarily true. Just because of the Bible, just little things. That's not it. That's not it. Go back to the word of God. Go back to the foundation that established it. We need the word of God. Essential. Y'all doing okay? God is the best GM. God is the strongest coach, strongest trainer. He's the ultimate head coach. He's the greatest head coach. Number four, final point. God is the ultimate teammate. Some of y'all in here are like, man, I feel really beat up, Pastor. Man, you just, ugh. I love you. I'm going to encourage you now. Is that okay? <laughs> We're all in this journey together. I've expressed many times that before I speak the word to you, it convicts me, it corrects me first. I believe it's impossible as a minister to preach from a place where you haven't already been or what you haven't already experienced. Pastor Perry teaches us that. And it's true. God is the ultimate teammate. There's an expression that says, coaches coach, but players play. And while it's true that God is the ultimate head coach, he doesn't expect us to just go out there on our own. He's not just going to give us a bunch of stuff and then say, okay, good luck. <laughs> Make it happen. It's not how he works. He wants to be there with you. He wants to help you. He wants to be an anchor, someone that you can turn to. He wants to be that teammate. 
And the thing about God, he's never the teammate that'll drop a pass, fumble the ball, miss an assignment. He's perfect. Drop a pass. Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. Why did our boy drop that interception against the Rams? This man was running downfield, 50 yards down, turned up, the ball was right there. He had time to think about it, look at it, hinge his whole life. It hit him in the head, it hit him in the chest, it hit him in his hands. He looked at it, he flicked it, it fell to the ground. Then he got on the ground like, what just happened, what just happened? You lost our ticket to the Super Bowl, that's what happened. Pray for me, I'm still dealing with it. I have severe FOMO, fear of missing out. We just missed out on the Super Bowl. Do you, do you guys know how cool it would have been to beat the Rams seven times in a row and then win a Super Bowl in their stadium? Oh, oh, the joy. My heart would be so full. My heart would be obese with joy. It'd be great, full of joy. And the ram said, vengeance is the Lord's. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Dropped it. God is the ultimate teammate. You guys doing all right this morning? Everybody okay? Yeah. You guys are awesome. He's the ultimate teammate. He won't let you down. John 14, 16 through 18 says this, Jesus. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and will later be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. He does this through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power and person of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus resurrected and was getting ready to leave the disciples, he told them that they would go on to do many great things. In a similar way, he's saying that to us. We are capable of doing many great things. He said it was better for him to leave so that he could send the Holy Spirit. Why send the Holy Spirit? I'm going to blitz through these last three, three points. All the dads. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Three points. Master Worship Team, to please come up. Why send the Holy Spirit? Number one, to strengthen us. 2 Timothy 4.17 says this, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. He wants to strengthen you. I mentioned that God would never ever tear you down without the intention of building you up into something stronger, into something better. To make a version of you 2.0. Better. Stronger. And there are many of you in this room that we're about to get ready to go out, have fun with our families and friends. We're getting ready. We got to face the real world. There's some things that have weakened us and made us not strong. We're just gasping, looking for something to encourage us. And I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit is here to empower you and strengthen you. 
by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can. Single parent, you're grinding every morning. Get up again. You can. To the marriages that are kind of falling apart, hang in there. Fight for each other. Love each other. Fourth and goal. You guys that are in high school and middle school trying to figure it out. You don't need anybody to tell you who you are. God already paid the price and said you're mine. Fourth and goal. You make it happen. God sent the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will all be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. To witness. What if I told you that the mess that you're in right now and the breakthrough that you're about to receive from Jesus and from God, somebody's going to be coming in through that door and they need the answer and you're going to be the one that has it. Be strengthened. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your testimony is history in the making. It is such a powerful thing that God has given you. Don't disregard it. He sends the Holy Spirit to strengthen us, to empower us, and finally, to comfort us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4. through Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Can I tell you that what you're going through, remember how I said God is training you, God might be using it to build something in you? A characteristic of Christian, being a true Christian is being selfless. Sometimes the things that you're going through aren't just for you. They're so that you can be a witness for the next person that walks in going through the exact same thing. One of the things I do love about the Super Bowl, and with this I close, I love watching the post-game interviews. Some of the announcers are annoying, but we'll forgive them for that. But they go back to the locker room. For the most part, the locker room is where the losers are, right? The team that just lost, and usually it's the quarterback with his helmet still on the ground and his head down guy just got out and like he's all ready to go he's ready getting ready to hop on the bus and go back home season's over and they interview him right hey man just walk us through what are your emotions what are you feeling right now I'm like well that's obvious they just lost the game of their life how do you think they're feeling I lost no no out of all the interviews I've seen um, I'm just really disappointed because I feel like I let my guys down these guys, you know, all they're great guys in the locker room. They've worked so hard to get to this point. And I just, I feel like I didn't make enough plays. I feel like I didn't do enough. Right? 
And they give that segment for like five minutes. And then the next half hour, we're all subject to watch confetti flying everywhere, trophies, shiny things, flashes everywhere. And the guy comes up, let's make some noise for the quarterback. Da, 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 da. Guy comes up, right? He's wearing the hat that says champion. He's like up there with the trophy. And they're like, how does it feel to hoist that? Man, it's <sighs> cheering in the background. Such an incredible thing. And most of the time, there's usually one player that the quarterback has that carried the game with them. It wasn't just the quarterback. It was like a running back or a wide receiver. And he brings him up and he's like, man, I got to, man, this guy's a beat, man. I love this guy. Like, man, we've grinded so hard to get here. And they're celebrating together. And can I tell you that Jesus, when I say that God is the ultimate teammate, he's doing the same thing with you. Some of us in this room have disqualified ourselves from that relationship because we think that the sin that we've committed or the life that we live has pushed us away, has made God to look at us with disgust. But can I tell you that God's love for you is so deep and it's so profound that Jesus himself is at the post-game interview and he has his arm around you and he's saying, man, have I told you about this guy? All the amazing stuff that he does? And the guy's like, yeah, I kind of messed up on some plays, but no, but it doesn't matter. He made the plays that counted. And I want to encourage all of us in this room, regardless of where you find yourself right now with God, he is not looking at you with condemnation. He is not looking at you with shame. He's not looking at you with regret. As a matter of fact, he's saying, I love you. I love this person. I'm so glad that they chose. Yes, they're still here. They're still doing it. God loves you. He loves you. Jesus didn't die for the best days that you were killing it as a Christian. He died for the days that we would fail. I still love this guy. I want to pray with you. Is that okay? With every head bowed and every eye closed. First prayer I want to make is one that I don't think we should ever not make. And it's if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're hearing the words that I'm saying. Maybe it's making an impact, but you're like, you know what, God, I, I, just, I just don't know. Like, I, I, just, I just don't know if that's true. I'm on the outside looking in. Maybe you've never given Jesus, like, a true chance. Or maybe you were a part of the team, and you just wanted to test free agency. You wanted to see what else was out there. And you came to the realization, you know what? I had a good thing going on at home. I'm here to tell you that you can come back. So whether you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you want to come back on the count of three with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to see that hand shoot up and you can put it right back down. One, two, three. See that hand. God bless you. God bless you. See that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Man, all these people, it's awesome. Church family, let's be a team right now. I want everybody to join in on this prayer. And if you raise your hand, say this prayer, mean it from your heart. I believe that you made the best decision right now. Let's pray. Say, God. Come on, say it with some strength and say it like you believe it. Say, God. I need you. I'm on the outside looking in. I want to come back. I need you. I realize that I can't make it on my own. I need you. I confess you as Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Change my life. I come to you today. In Jesus' name. 
If you made that prayer, I want to welcome you to the greatest family on this planet Earth. If you raised your hand, I would love to be able to shake hands with you, to be able to talk to you, say what's up. But now I want to make a second prayer. And this is for every single person that just needs strength, just needs a little bit of encouragement. Maybe this is your first Super Bowl and you're not going to have someone. Maybe it's your first time and you just, you don't know what to expect. But you just need strength and courage. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to be a little bit braver. I'm going to ask you to please stand on your feet. One, two, three. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, you see your children here in this room. You know exactly what they need. Some of them are dealing with loss. Some of them are dealing with weakness. They need strength. They need encouragement. God, would you be whatever it is that they need in their life today? If they need provision, would you provide? If they need peace, would you be the Prince of Peace that reigns on their heart? If they need an answer from you, would you send the response? God, I pray that today would be a day that marks us forever, the day that we can remember that you came through for us. God, I pray for every person that needs strength and encouragement, that you bless them, that you be with them, strengthen them, empower them to do the things that you have called them to do. God, I pray for the people that have to step out into the workforce. God, I pray that you would give them grace and favor. Allow them to carry themselves with dignity and character to represent you, God, as a witness. And at the end of the day, we will be careful to give you the honor and glory that is so rightfully yours. this beautiful church. I thank you for all the things that you've done in our lives. Would you carry us forward? Remind us of the hope in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.